Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and Realnurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to the Lockbox Podcast. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here with Nora Crossway. Thank you for being on, Nora. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you tell our listeners who you are and where you're from? I'm a realtor in Des Moines, Iowa. I'm from Texas, but I've been in Iowa 11 years. And um, so I do residential primarily, and I work with your regular people. Not a lot of investment properties, mainly your $250,000 price point. I also run an online home staging consultation company called Stagery. I did see that in one of your bios that you realized sellers need help in staging their home and it really affects the buyer's mood when they walk into the home in a positive way. So you want to tell us a little bit more about the story behind that and uh, what your unique value proposition is in that area? Yeah. So when I listed my personal home in 2016, I hired a stager to come out and tell me what to do with my house. And one of the things she said was, you need some throw pillows for your couch. So I went to Target, bought some throw pillows, brought them home. And my husband said, honey, these don't match our couch. Do you know what your couch looks like? And he wasn't wrong. So that's when I really started to get into staging and realizing that it's not enough to simply say, declutter, put away your personal items. You really need help sometimes understanding what small purchases you can make to really make the house feel like a home. Yeah, that makes total sense. And do you think it's something that can be learned where you know you can develop that talent over time or that it's more of just like something that you have an eye for or you don't? I think it can be absolutely learned. Um, okay. It's not something I have chosen to learn because uh, frankly, my skills are in negotiation, they're in showings, they're in getting to the closing table, but much right. like real estate photography, if I could learn how to take my own photos, it's not worth it to me. There you go. So you have partnered with a staging company and you make sure that that is a staple for all of your sellers. Is that right? Every right. single one. They get a free consultation. It's part of my marketing package. And that way they're getting expert advice. It also helps if I'm not the one telling them that their five foot giraffe has got to go or their <laughs> red flowered wallpaper really needs to come down. It, yeah. I find it to be much more successful when I can say this is a certified stager who doesn't know you from Adam. They're not judging. They're telling you the same things. And they do this every day. They see hundreds of homes, right? It's, it's a more objective third-party opinion. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I don't feel like my sellers should have to find that opinion, nor should they have to work through and schedule it, et cetera. I just take pictures of the house. I upload them. I send them their report in two days they get to work. It's a task list for them. Even if they really have a beautiful home, it helps them to say, okay, I'm checking this off the list and here's my next task and here's my next task. Right. And checklists definitely make it 
much more simple of a process moving forward for both buyers and sellers. So that seems like a great service that you offer that, you know, not every single agent out there offers. So, you know, for the agents that are tuning in, if you currently are not staging homes, maybe that's something that you can take from this podcast as an action. You know, it's a small investment, small partnership, little addition to your marketing budget. And, uh, you know, obviously Nora has seen a lot of success with that. So Nora, what got you into the real estate industry? I had a midlife crisis at 37. I was in IT and quit my job on a whim, had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, ran into an acquaintance six months later, and she, we started talking about the market. She had just activated her license. And uh, after about 30 minutes, she said, why aren't you doing this? And I went, huh, I don't know. Seven weeks later, I had my license. Hmm. It's been a blast. I left IT because I wasn't seeing that ability to really help people anymore directly and to impact their lives. Whereas being the supporting actor behind my clients really fills my cup. There you go. It helps you on the fulfillment side. And I'm sure that a lot of your IT experience has carried over into real estate, IT being uh, very methodical, very service-based, and having a lot of checklists and systems in place to solve different problems that commonly come up, right? So how have you adapted that to real estate nowadays? Systems are huge. The first year when I did 11 sales, systems didn't matter because I could figure it out as I went. My team did 53 last year. Systems matter because otherwise, you know, the night before closing, you're like, oh, wait, did I tell the buyers to change the utilities into their name? Oh, wait, I have a listing I told them would be on tomorrow and I forgot to schedule the photography. And where's my lockbox? So we use a checklist system called Trello. There is a free version. Uh, We do pay for it, but it really doesn't matter what you use as long as you use something consistently. Period. I love that. Yeah. Every client deserves a consistent, service-based, exceptional experience. And I don't like running around like a chicken with my head cut off. No one does. And checklists are such a simple way to alleviate mistakes. Even the masters will make mistakes. If you don't have a checklist, you'll forget that one thing. And then the the customer, the client's in the dark and that should never happen, right? Should never happen. And even post-closing checklists, that was actually the first checklist I implemented was after closing, okay, let's put the sale on Zillow. Let's request a review. Let's send out a just sold postcard. Those, let's print out their CD and put it in an envelope to mail it to them in January. That's part of my checklist. That was the first one that I really started using because after the closing's done, we tend to forget as agents. Yeah, on to the next. On to the next. But those are the items that keep clients remembering who you are and referring their friends. There you go. Well, that brings up my next question. What percentage of your business is referral to new business? And then what systems do you have in place to increase the amount of referrals that you receive? You know what? My client base is, I would say, either 90% past client or referral based. Um, and the reason it's not 100% is because I do run open houses. <laughs> That's it. I don't pay for leads. We get a couple of leads here and there through the brokerage. Uh, one of those on occasion will convert but no, it's easily 90%. I have a fairly simple system. I'm sure your audience has heard of The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. Great book. Yep. 33 touch system. Yeah, I don't even do 33 touches. Okay, I send out a monthly newsletter. 
I do a video on Facebook Live every other Friday, and I usually, it's not usually real estate. I usually highlight somebody in the community that's doing something cool. I send out home anniversary cards. They are handwritten. I send out their closing disclosure the January after they close. I do pot buys once a year where, you know, it might be like a $9 cookie in a jar thing, but I put my card on it. We have the M&Ms colored to match our logo and they love it. And the Popeye, what the gift is, doesn't matter. Right. And then pre-COVID, I used to do a, an annual client party. I'm not sure if those will come back. My last one was the first weekend in March, just before COVID. <laughs> um, good timing. It was. It was very good timing. And that doesn't have to be expensive. I worked with a local coffee shop. I put a 200 bucks on a coffee gift card so that everybody can get their drinks provided a hot cocoa bar for them with toppings, a photo booth, and some appetizers. Nice. That was it. It was an Easy. open house style. People could come in and out. And even the people that didn't come, I called them and said, hey, are you coming? And they would say, oh my God, I saw the invite. I'm so sorry I can't make it, but it's a touch. They know I cared. It's a touch. It's a touch. Right. So staying top of mind through both some systems that you've put in place and then also that manual follow-up, right? That work, reaching out, yeah. making the phone call. Yeah, but what you know, I would never do it if I didn't have the party to call them about. It's the excuse. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that makes total sense. So when it comes to listings, you know, in a market, especially where there are, there's such a shortage of supply and there are so many buyers all over listings, you know, how do you ensure that your listing hits the market in the best possible way and creates that crazy bidding war where I'm hearing stories of people getting 80K over asking in some cases. It's wild. So, you know, how are you ensuring that your listing is hitting the market in the best possible way? So in Des Moines, we are not seeing 80K over list price. Thank okay. goodness. But yes, we like bidding wars. I tend to schedule it out a couple of weeks in advance. So my first step is meeting okay. with the seller, signing initial listing paperwork, deciding on a price. Then I get them their staging consultation. So they have about a week and a half to get ready. I schedule photography for a Wednesday or a Thursday at the latest. I have my photos that day and the listing is going to hit the market either Thursday or Friday. As soon as within 24 hours prior to listing, I'm allowed to start posting it on Facebook. So I'll post a, hey, look at this great listing in this awesome neighborhood coming soon. Here's a couple of photos, right? And I don't even post the address. Let me know if you want in. And frankly, that is more targeted to all my realtor friends. Right. Yeah. So we hit the market. We immediately create a single property website. We share it to all the realtor Facebook groups, like the homes for sale, et cetera. We schedule an open house for Sunday. It's a full blitz. And my goal is not to have it on the market by Tuesday of the following week because I send a seller report every Tuesday and I don't like writing them. <laughs> Being so you want that You want that offer in accepted before that first Find. Yep. That's the goal. That's the goal. It doesn't always happen. You know, some real estate is local. So for us, the downtown condo market is slow because mm. nobody has to go back downtown to work anymore. Right. That one is a slow one. My two bedroom starter home type in the trendy areas, that's going to go fast. Right. That makes sense. And you mentioned that you're mainly relying on referrals 
and then local business, organic, you're not, you know, paying for leads is how you put it. Are you leveraging out of state buyers at all? I know that a lot of people are leaving California and they're searching in other markets. And that's been a really effective campaign that we've been running lately for our clients. So I'm curious, is that any part of your business is out of state buyers right now? Some, but it's been referral based. Am I targeting those out of state buyers? No. Could I be? Absolutely. There's always room to improve. I think that the Californians are moving to Austin where I'm from. So I yeah, know the, it's a Austin, different Las Miami. Vegas, but maybe not Des Moines, but a lot are going to Boise. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I had a, a neighbor that moved to Boise. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's interesting. A lot of Californians are leaving. I'm still here. I'm still here in Huntington Beach holding it down. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I may yeah. have to be out there. It's uh, We don't have an ocean here and it's heartbreaking. Well, it's beautiful. It was 77 Monday and it's a bit 75 yesterday. So come out, give me a call. We'll get some coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Got my coffee right here. There yeah, you go. We have not, I have not hit up the out of state buyers as much. Now I do have some contacts that are recruiters. So yep. where I get some of that business is through corporate recruiter referrals. Smart. They got to move here. They got to buy a house. They got to move here. They got to buy a house. And a lot of times I'll take them around the city or meet with them yeah. to talk about the city, whether or not they've made their decision to try and sell them on Des Moines. Hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. So in the future of real estate, Tesla has reinvented the car buying experience, right? Yeah. Do you think that the real estate transaction will be mostly automated by say 2030? I don't see how it can be mostly automated. I think it can be more automated. So obviously with Zillow's acquisition of showing time, there's a lot of concern that, wait a second, they don't need us agents to open a door. But here's the issue. My sellers are going to want an agent in there with the buyers, especially if they're living there and they have to leave, but they have their possessions there. It's There are areas where it needs to be more automated for sure. The closing process, the underwriting process, those are where I start to see those hiccups. But then I look at something like an inspection and I don't see how it can be automated past the actual scheduling, payment, reporting. But ultimately, my buyers are still going to want a person looking at the house and making sure it's sound. So some automation, a lot of it has already been done with things like showing time and electronic signatures. And some of those areas are getting to that point. There's still a need though for people who are buying their first house who need help and ask for help and are happy to pay for help because they don't do this every day. Right. No, absolutely. And it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. My anticipation is that it will capture some of the market share that are the underperforming agents that just, they have their license and they do, you know, one transaction a year. I think it's going to shy away some of those types of agents. It'll capture up that, you know, I don't know, five, 7% of the market share, but the lion's share will remain in the top performing brokers who are local experts and can actually walk in and have a fiduciary responsibility to their client, look at the problems, not just the shiny objects that the client is focusing on right. and you know have their best interest in mind. So my big thing with technology is reinstating the negotiation. A real estate transaction is a negotiation, right? Always. And, and so if a single company is 
valuing the home, writing the contracts, representing the buyer and representing the seller. Where's the negotiation in that? That is my biggest concern with the raft of acquisitions is the service to the consumer. It's not my income that I'm worried about. It's is the consumer still able to get the right service and have the choices that they need. Now, some sellers are absolutely just going to want it off their plate and that's fine. For them, that makes sense. They should do what they need, right? For some sellers, it's not because they're saving, they want to get as much equity as possible for their next house. So it's, they're willing to do the work to get the house ready, to put it on the market, disappear for a weekend or whatever. Plus, I feel like with the market as hot as it is, everybody's getting into real estate. We have 2,500 agents in Des Moines. We have less than 2,000 active listings. Wow. How's that for a stat? That is a stat. Uh-huh. In some parts of California, there are like 20,000, 30,000 agents in a city. And yeah, it's, it's the same. They're, the amount of been available homes in that area is like 10,000. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's insane. And now granted, a lot of realtors have their license because they do property management or they're not active right, realtors. Right. And I get that. So 2,500 does not mean that everybody's out there showing homes. True. True. So when it comes to actions, you know, this podcast is called Lockbox, right? Which by the way, I love how you dropped the term lockbox in one of your descriptions. It's a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. Because being a successful sales representative, you need to take consistent actions. Consistency is key. And the actual taking of actions is key, right? Over a period of time. And then it has that compound effect. You build momentum. So My goal with this podcast is to provide the listeners with one or two real action items that they can take into their real estate business and then have an impact in their results. So my question to you is, what's the single most important action that you take every day that has attributed most to your success? Talking to clients, past clients, focusing on my past clients. I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not in there to get leads simply because I don't need to. I think that every agent should have a plan as to how often do they want their past clients to hear from them and in what formats and implement one at a time per quarter. So maybe the first quarter, it's your monthly newsletter, okay? Maybe the next quarter, it's I'm gonna start doing home anniversary cards. How does that work? How can I get it done so that I never forget one? Maybe the next quarter, it's okay, I'm going to work on my Popeye gift game. How am I going to implement that and do one thing a quarter, period? But really, that is that is a key for me. Okay, and I don't don't one, try and eat the elephant at once. Yes, that's very key. And when you say one thing a quarter, you set up the newsletters, and then once that is set up in that first quarter, and you move on to the next thing, you leave those running, right? And then you go to the the next thing. And then once you set up that system, you leave them both running and you go to the third thing, right? So you're talking about starting a new thing each quarter, but then you set up the system to leave it running. Is that right? Yes. And my newsletters in the sense that they aren't automated. I actually sit down and write a monthly one every month because so many agents I see outsourcing their content to KCM or Inman or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I think that having custom content is key. So it's really setting up that system where I know every month on March 5th and April 5th, I got to send out a newsletter, but I have my templates. I have my list of articles I'm going to write. I plan out my hour to write my blog post or whatever. 
and it's on my calendar. I have it. I'm writing this month's newsletter on Sunday. So right. yes, it's getting the systems done, getting the templates done, but it's also still important to personalize the content around you. Mm. Yeah, that is very key. And something that we focus on with my agency is branding. And I tell a lot of my clients and potential clients that branding is a one-time focused action that you take. And once it's clear and it's on paper, that makes outsourcing content so much easier because now you don't have to outsource it to some random CRM or team. You could actually have your one of your team members that yeah. is paid to do this one social media posting, right? Then all of the social media posts, the team member is not going to be guessing, what should I write for this caption? They can go read the brand book or they can yes. go like refer to those documents and say, okay, this makes sense to put with this post, right? A, a quote that the broker loves or whatever it is, whatever you've compiled into that document. So it makes that outsourcing so much easier so that then your content is consistent. The brand is represented up to the standards that you've set when yes. in the branding process, right? And yes. you can then still leverage the system and the team. Yes. A social media is a great example um, because I'm sure you see this too. You might have a bunch of uh, realtor friends on Facebook or your platform of choice, and they all post the same post at the same time because it came from KCM. <laughs> and so you see it 20 times and you're like, okay, I'm done. My assistant does my social media and we have worked out a system. Every Monday, we do a funny real estate caption, not one of my clients, caption this Mondays. If we miss a Monday, I'm to the point where somebody's picking me going, where's your caption this, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so we have like a routine of, I wanna throw in a, a quote, an inspirational quote every once in a while, whatever. And now that it's there because my assistant is doing it, it's on autopilot for me. Yep. But and it took us a quarter to get there. Right, you set those standards ahead of time. Yes. And there are clear boundaries and guidelines and what does winning look like and then you reviewed the first you know quarter of posts yes. to tweak and make sure that it was the right voice and then yeah once it's set boom now it's on autopilot you have a team member focusing on it that's exactly the types of systems that i intend to enjoy as well is like yes. you you focus on it once as the leader of the organization you help start it kick it off and then you hand it off ultimately after that time i like the quarterly like here's our quarterly sprint this quarter right yeah. and then you maintain all the other things in your business. And then whenever you have free time, it's like scheduling in, this is the focus, this is the focus. Um, yeah. I think that's a really good action item that other real estate agents can take away too, is that quarterly structure of implementing new ideas. Do them I one feel, at a time. Yes, right? that's the key right there. I feel like agents are so overwhelmed by everything they should be doing that they do none of it well. Yeah. <laughs> So, and you know what? I've spent years doing that too. I get it. I mean, I'm not saying that to say anybody's bad. I've done it. So frankly, I don't look at what other agents are doing because it's just so, going to overwhelm me. That brings up a good question. There are so many things that you can go say yes to and get distracted. And Oh, here's another shiny object. So what is your process for your evaluating what to say no to? Unless it's a hell yes, it's a no. There you go. I've heard that That's one before. It has to be. It has to be. That being said, I do struggle with that. I do struggle with saying no, especially when it comes to community initiatives. But here's, a, here's an actionable item for your audience, networking okay. organizations, chamber events, et cetera, et cetera. 
my rule of thumb is I will not join a chamber unless I can commit to being at one meeting every month, period. I won't even do it. I won't put in the dues. I won't sign up and then go, oh, I forgot to go to the Des Moines chamber today. I'm not going to do it. If I pay the dues, if I get listed in the directory, I put on my calendar a year's worth of meetings and I hit those once a month. Yeah, that makes because sense. Paying the dues gets you nothing. Going to the meetings and talking to people is where the money is. Well, it goes back to that Keller book that you mentioned, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, The Red Light, Green Light, right? Yes. You, you know, with the expenses, it's like you should have a green light in expenses in adding new things. And then when you add another thing, the red light comes on. You don't spend any more until you increase your revenue for that new expense to the point that you expected it. Yes. And then once, once you hit that revenue increase from the expense, then it's green light again. It's so easy to add 15 things at once, forget 12 of them, and then nothing works. Don't do it. It won't work. And then, and then you cancel everything consistent. in six months, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny. We talk about referrals being my main source of income. However, um, a few years ago, it was more, I was meeting people through networking groups. One in particular for me, it was for women entrepreneurs called FemCity. It was a very active group. I grew my sphere through that group significantly. That was my only one that I had joined. I loved being there. People can tell if you're there just to hand out business cards. Don't do it. Right. So that was it. And it really did grow my sphere. And now I don't get as much through Fem City because of COVID. So I don't go. <laughs> but my sphere is so big there that I'm still reaping those benefits. That makes sense. And yeah, everyone can smell commission breath. So you got to oh come my in gosh. With, with the right intentions and actually want to be a part of it and help and the business will come. It's yeah. You have to that. connect people. You have to always add value. Facebook. I'm a big fan of being a part of the city groups and somebody says, Hey, who has an electrician? Oh, I have one. Here's my vendor directory on my website. That's huge. That gets deals doing it yeah. consistently. It's not going to be deals in a month. It's going to be deals in a year. I like that. And when you are seeing all these recommendations coming out, you're seeing people on Facebook giving advice to other agents, you're hearing advice in team meetings or conferences, you know, what are some of the bad recommendations that you hear given to real estate professionals? I am not a fan of stalking FISBOs. <laughs> not a fan. I feel like, and I know a lot of people do it and it doesn't feel authentic to me. Let me put it that way because okay. they have chosen to sell for sale by owner and I'm respecting that decision. Oh, and here's my pet peeve. Wear your name tag everywhere. I hate that one. I hate it. I hate it. It's horrible. Wear your name tag everywhere so everybody knows you're a realtor. Nobody cares. I hate it. I'm sorry. Yeah. The question um, is how much, how much business have they gotten from that, right? Zero. I did it. I did it for a year. I have a name tag somewhere. I don't even I think, know. I think one time when I was a kid, I saw that at the grocery store is some like, I don't know, Century 21 agent and had her name tag on her sweater. And I was like, why does she have her name tag on? Like, cause in school you have your name tag on, right? Right. Right. <laughs> and I was like in elementary school and I was like, what the heck? Yeah. I hate that one. I do. I'm not a fan and I see it all the time. Wow. Yeah, that's those are some good ones. Those are some good ones. <laughs> okay, so um, there's my pet peeve. Don't buy a name tag. It's $10. <laughs> Don't do it. Right. So 
it's easy to see someone that's been successful and compare or be a little bit discouraged if you haven't achieved that same level of success. So to kind of humanize yourself, you know, how has a failure or apparent failure uh, set you up for later success? You know, do you have a favorite failure of yours? Oh, I have so many. That's a great one. So (laughs) I was new in the business, six months in, picked up a buyer at an open house, did everything I was supposed to do. I signed the exclusive buyer agency agreement right away. So excited. So excited. Showed them 40 houses. I was that (laughs) pop-up agent. They would say, can we run to this? And I would go, yep, I'm going to be there in 20 minutes. My poor husband is like, what are you doing? I'm like, honey, I need the business. After 40 houses, they got upset because I could not negotiate 10 grand off of a new construction deal Mm. on a $300,000 house. There are no deals to be had. (laughs) We wrote four offers. And it got to the point where I dreaded seeing their texts. Mm. And they ended up buying a house with a different agent. Um, I did look Love it up that. later. Uh-huh. And it was a house that I had shown them. Love that. Uh-huh. And I just didn't even care. I Could I have <laughs> gone after the commission? Sure. But then I would have had to talk to these people. So what that taught me is that my time is valuable Mm. My expertise is valuable. And if I dread picking up the phone for a client, we should no longer work together. It's one of those hell no's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when you're new, you know, that was the year I sold like 11 houses or nine houses or whatever it was. So, I mean, I get it. And I think everybody has to experience that. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I think you got to go through those different types of learning curves, whether it's in a different industry or it's in real estate. You got to get to these certain levels where you're realizing that my time, my expertise is valuable. I need to be focusing on income producing activities and I need to have team members or systems that are helping to take care of the rest and make sure to still ensure the amazing client service at the end of of the deal like everything's still taken care of, even though I'm not doing it, but I need to be focusing in certain areas, very specific areas that are driving revenue, right? Correct. You know what doesn't drive revenue? If I personally go put a sale pending sign on the sign, that does right. not drive revenue. I do not need to be the one behind the wheel. Right. Right. You don't need so, to be, you don't need to go take an hour, hour and a half out of your day to go drive over there, do that. No, yeah, exactly. no. <laughs> but you know, I have showings yeah. tonight. That's income producing. Yep. There you go. Yeah. So What's one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made? It could be small, could be big, or it could be non-monetary. Easily. In real estate, easily my assistant. Easily. And it keeps coming I, up. I pay her well. Um, she, okay. The base price here for a real estate assistant is about $10 to $12 an hour. Okay. She started above that. I have given her a bonus every year. I have raised her salary every year, her hourly rate every year. And now she has decided to get her license. I pay for the training. I am coaching her. She's shadowing me, all of it. She's under your wing. She is amazing because by valuing her the way that I would like somebody to value me, she's implemented a lot of the systems. She found Trello. She said, we should start using Trello. I said, but I like my Excel spreadsheets. And she said, but Nora, I can't access your Excel spreadsheets on the phone. I want Trello. And I went, okay, all right. I'm going to scoot back and let you pick Trello. And now it's one of your main systems. Now it's one I'm in there every day. Yep. I still yeah. prefer Excel, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And the admin or assistant, however you term it, has come up a lot when I ask that question. 
that seems like something that's just critical for anyone who wants to scale a real estate team, uh, a solo agent. You need not a transaction coordinator. You need like a personal assistant, right? Someone who does all the things, all the little things, checking email, you know, grabbing coffee, all the little stuff, maybe even washing your car one day before showing or something. Wouldn't you know? that be nice? I've never had her do that. I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, add, that to, add that to the job description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think it's key. And the marketing stuff that we talked about, that is something that can easily go to an assistant where yep. your stamp may still be on it on writing a monthly newsletter, but she puts together our invites for our client party and I prove them. Right. Yeah. You come in for the last five, 10 minutes, put your eyes on it, make sure it looks good, but you don't have to spend those hours doing it. No, I hate Canva. I hate <laughs> Canva. So, and guess what? If you're out there and you either hate Canva or you don't even know what Canva is. <laughs> Sorry. Then there are there are people out there that love it and you can hire them to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I think that's the best one by far. And it is the biggest expense I have. And it's worth it. Okay. I like that. And I have a question about overwhelm. You know, when overwhelm is something that happens to so many entrepreneurs, real estate agents, because you sign up for this this thing, you get your license, and now all of a sudden you have to be, you know, you have to know legal contracts and you got to have sales ability and you got to know marketing and then you're doing HR and you're hiring people and you're recruiting and you're doing so many things. And there's a thousand pieces of advice for each aspect that I just mentioned that you're just bombarded with and people that are calling you every day trying to sell to you all these services and you're just, what the heck is happening, right? Full overwhelm, like full blown. I've seen it. I've seen the glazed over eyes. So <laughs> what do you do when you're overwhelmed or unfocused? Do you have any questions that you ask yourself to get back on track or any, any processes? That is a fantastic question. And because I'm running a real estate business and stagery, it is a constant state of mind. Running two businesses is hard, by the way. It's something that I'm not as disciplined with anymore. It used to be, I do martial arts. So it used to be getting okay. in the gym, kicking a bag. That felt amazing. Turning the phone off. I also tried, and I, again, not as disciplined right now, uh, not to work Friday nights and Saturdays. Okay. So not that I tell people necessarily, hey, we're not going to work on Saturdays they'll say, hey, can we meet with you? We want to buy a house. We're just looking. Our lease is up in six months. Can we learn about the process? How's Saturday? And I'll say, you know what? How about Sunday? And it's fine. It's right. fine, right? So it's been harder to maintain because of this market that we're in with very low inventory. I have so many active buyers. And if they see a house online or it comes on the market, we got to get in that day. From an overwhelm perspective, some really... I don't know. You let me know when you find that one solved. <laughs> Cause I haven't, I, I have not solved it. I can offer a tip or a tactic that helps a lot. Please. If you or any of the listeners out there are feeling overwhelmed, the biggest trick is to write it all down. Yes. You get it out of your head and something happens. All of a sudden that feeling of overwhelm, that mental juggling, like you had three things in your head and you're juggling it okay. And now there's four and now there's five and you're dropping balls and you're like, ah, there's that anxiety. All of a sudden you write it down and the anxiety goes away and you can then just circle something like, oh, this is the priority. And it becomes so clear. It's a magic trick, I promise. So 
Yeah. When you start to feel overwhelmed, take pen to paper. Write it down. And you know what? I do have a task list that, but I don't maintain it enough. That's the problem. So I'm going to start doing this every day is updating my written down task list. I love it. There you go. There you go. And when that comes to mind, you know, that might be something that's like out of the ordinary, but do you have any unusual habit or like absurd thing that you just absolutely love? Besides my coffee, absurd habit. Like I do the the Tony Robbins priming where I'm I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right? Have you ever seen that? No. Yeah. You do oh three sets of 30 like before you record a video uh-huh. and you're you're just like lit up, you're all excited. It's an awesome tactic to get yourself in state. So that's just like some weird thing that like I picked up over the years and I'll do before I record any type of video or, you know, before a podcast that I'm like on point, I'll do priming. So is there any like weird little habit like that? I don't. I feel like I'm now boring. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't have one. I mean, maybe kicking bags on a weekly basis was probably the weirdest, but, uh, you know, I've kind of given it up right now for due to pandemic, I feel like a lot of my clients are susceptible. So I am trying to minimize my non-work exposure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you're right. It was it Taekwondo. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taekwondo. That's awesome. That's, that's okay. Unusual. Does that count as weird? I mean, yeah. oh, you know what I used to do? I used to carry boards in my car. And whenever I had a seller that was really stressed, there was one year where a lot of my sellers were getting divorced. I would hold the board and have to break it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really not hard, but they always feel so good. That's so memorable for them too. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, they'll never forget that moment, right? No, it's, uh, and it was more just to be a friend, right? Like I know you're losing your house because you're getting a divorce and you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work in every situation. I think if your client is expecting, maybe not the time. Yeah. No, that's, an awesome one. I, I really like that. And I think that uh, some agents out there that just heard that <laughs> with, with, with all the frustrated buyers losing offers right now, you know, yes. I think that there might be some boards purchased from, uh, from Home Depot. Home or Depot. Go, yeah, they'll yeah. cut them for you. I recommend eight inches. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yep. Um, do you read books? I do. What are, I... what are one, one to three books that have greatly influenced your life or career? The Go-Giver. The go-giver. Number one, the go-giver. Number one, period, the end. It is a quick read, maybe two hours, period. The go-giver. Always, always, always add value. Don't look at what you're going to get paid from it. Let me think, what else did I recently finish? I really like a lot of history. So I read last year, David McCullough's 1776. And it was focused on that year of the Revolutionary War. And it was, it's such a depressing year. If you read the history, like we were losing, it was bad. <laughs> we were losing and somehow we won. So I, I don't know that it's changed my business necessarily, but it was very inspiring. And then the last one is a current business favorite. It's called um, The Lean Marketplace. And I'm using it to design the stagery business because I have stagers and realtors. And so it's a marketplace that that one has been my latest, but from a purely inspirational, it's the go-giver period, the end. I like it. I think someone gifted that to me and you should crack it open. 
Oh, you should crack it open. Put it on your calendar. Write it on your task list. I will. I will. It's that good. Okay. I love it. And this is part of the reason why I asked that is to share those books with the listeners. But I get so many great book recommendations that way. I know. I know. Yeah. I have like a, a stack of six right now that I need I to get back to. It's I always hard. have. I always have a stack of ones I'm just constantly going through and trying to catch up on. So that's the way yeah. to be. How many well, books a year do you read? Well, I I used to try and measure it like that. Like, oh, I read like 15 books this year. I focus more on like how much did I actually implement from them. So okay. Darren Hardy, a couple of years ago, he said, I just had someone reach out to me and say they read 30 books this year. And his response was, what if you read one of those books 30 times and actually implemented it? Oh, yeah. So, so that kind of hit me between the eyes because I was on the like insatiable appetite, personal development grind for a couple years there mm-hmm. where it was just like, okay, done, next. Okay, done, next. But whenever there would be little like, hey, stop now and journal this thing or hey, stop now and write down like what's your worst fear of what would happen, right? Like little things in it, I wouldn't be doing those. Right, and because so you're ready to get to the next. I'm ready to get to the next book. And so I've been conscious of that habit that it wasn't serving me. So nowadays I only read probably four or five books a year and they're only like 200 pages, 300 pages, but I go through much slower, like 10 pages a day and actually will do the things that they suggest yeah. if, if I think they're valuable. Fair. So. No, I think that's perfectly fair. I read widely, but I read like a lot of different things. So what I'm reading today could have no resemblance to what I'm going to read next month. Yeah. That makes sense. Are there any quotes that you live by? Progress, not perfection. Love that. I don't know who said it. I don't know where I learned it from. I want it tattooed on my arm, but my daughter thinks I'm too old for a tattoo because <laughs> she's 13 yeah. and I'm not cool anymore. That's something I live by. Always add value. Be a good human. Basically, my Twitter bio. Those are my three. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And progress, not perfection. I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a recovery term, like a sobriety term. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I find it to be so perfect for everything that we do. Perfection is stupid. We're never going to attain it. Never. Yeah. Never. So why, why would that be the measuring stick? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I've made mistakes. You make mistakes. Maybe you don't. I make mistakes, right? Absolutely. So So, yeah. yeah. And that's that's something I live by too. Good. Progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you would, would like to elaborate on from earlier? What do you think? When do you think the seller's market is going to calm down? I am gathering these opinions. Well, what metric to watch or like a timeline prediction? Either. Your choice. Okay. You know, from my sponsoring broker and, you know, one of my mentors, he said the only number to watch is the amount of homes that are on the market, right? Inventory levels. And and once those inventory levels go up, that means a couple things. People are either foreclosing, things are happening in the marketplace, like the economy is starting to take a turn and the inventory then is shooting up. That's the metric to watch. And being a real estate professional, we can watch that sooner than anyone else and react sooner than everyone else. So that's that's the big tip from a $100 million per year broker. He said, that's the one number I watch. With that being said, as far as prediction on timeline, there's so many economic factors. It's really hard because we're getting like another small stimulus. We just did, and then we might get another small one 
in, I think, March, a lot of the tenant rights are being removed, people that have not been paying for a year. And Although so that could so, be extended. Right, that could be extended. So there's so many economic factors and then a random extension could come out of left field on, on certain yeah. policies. So it's really hard to say. I do feel that uh, I just got a text from a lender who said mortgage rates just increased. Mm-hmm. They did. And we all know what happens when mortgage rates go up, housing yeah. prices go down, right? Yeah. I would love to see mortgage rates go up a little, three and a quarter. We're at two and a half. Do we really need two and a half? So we might be on that peak turning toward the uh, the slight dip, but there needs to be a correction. It's natural. Yes. So, you know, maybe we're almost there. We're like at that peak where the home selling this month and next month will experience that peak. And then after that, the buying power will be reduced by the mortgage rates. So then prices have to come down, right? Yeah. Yeah, one could hope because this market is is not sustainable for our buyers and sellers. It's just not. Right. It's hard. But I'm selling one of my properties in March, so I hope right on. for just about another month. <laughs> I have a couple of listings coming on in the next three weeks, so give me those three weeks and then I'm good. So That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. That's right. So awesome. awesome. How can listeners contact you if they're interested? So I am reachable via a couple of ways. Okay. Home Sweet Des Moines is my website. So Nora, N-O-R-A, at home, H-O-M-E, suite, S-W-E-E-T, Des Moines, D-E-S-M-O-I-N-E-S.com. And I'm sorry, I know it's long. I should have thought through that better. I'm also available at Stagery, which is hello at S-T-A-G-E-R-I-E.com. And people can ask me questions about staging there. Finally, should I do this? I'm going to give out my cell phone number. How's that? Because it's on my website anyway. There you go. 515-783-9815. You got to leave a voicemail though, because if you're out of state, I don't pick up because of all the sales calls we get. Voicemail or text. Yeah. Voicemail or text. Text is awesome. Text is awesome. Yeah. So Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, I, I really appreciate you being on here. And I love the the staging business and the real estate business, right? The the recognition of value in staging. I think that's the the biggest takeaway from this podcast is, you know, don't let a home go unstaged. And I even saw in your bio that if the homeowners are still living in it, you still stage it. Right. Oh, that's the one that I'm working on is occupied home staging. Right, it's not right. vacant. Vacant's easy. Easy. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. No, it's the occupied where it makes such a huge difference. And most of my listings are occupied. Right. So right. yes, key. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, yeah. thank you so much for all the value thank that you, you. you left today. Thank and, you. Uh, great yeah. podcast. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.